Hey, good morning, everybody. It's a good day, isn't it? There's no rain today. The sun is shining. It is uh, one of the few Sundays this year. I think we've hardly been in rains most Sundays lately, so it's good that it's fine uh, weather. Finally, I think it's the first time it's been fine in Whangarei all the years I've been coming here. <laughs> Thankful there's no snow today, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Hey, what wasn't that music was something else tonight. You could almost hear the chains breaking, couldn't you? So good, so good, fantastic. Hey, um, I've got my book uh, that I'm sure you've all read. <laughs> yes, thank you for that overwhelming response. <clears throat> so I, I've got two I'm going to give away, but conditional, all right? Number one, you have to be a reader. So when you come and get this, you're promising me you actually will read it. And number two, you need a breakthrough, because I think the blood is a forgotten weapon of breakthrough in our Christian lives. You know, we try everything else, but sometimes you actually need, they overcame, Revelation says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and a whole lot of things. So the blood is so important. So you will read it, and you need a breakthrough. First two up the front, it's yours. Go, 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 go. The race is on, the race is on. Sorry, mate. All right, but don't worry. There's an Indian special on today. They're usually, what, you $50, are they? Something 50 So today, $10. All right, $10. There's only about 20 there, so some will die in the crush, I know. But uh, get in there first and, uh, and enjoy that. Okay. Oh, well, it's great to be here. Always is great to come up here and be with you guys. So let's just pray, shall we, as we come to God's Word. Father, we just thank you for your presence. Uh, the King is among us. The King is among us. You're here, Lord, to change lives, Lord, to touch hearts, to impact us by your Spirit. Father, we're not here for just another message, but we're, Lord, here to meet with you. Father, would you change us and transform us? Father, by the power of your Spirit, let your Word be with power. Let your Word be with transformation. Let your Word be with impact. Let, there be, let something move in our hearts today. Father, let something shift across Church Unlimited from Array into the, more of the fullness of all that you have for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, when New Zealand and beyond the conference, which uh, we host, was, uh, was still being held in our auditorium in the West before we went to the Trust Arena. The end of one of those uh, conferences, this bird got stuck in the foyer. And no matter what the team did to get rid of it, they could not get the bird out of the foyer. They finally called the rescue team who said, get it flying around, it will eventually tire and come down. So they would bombard it with these tea towels, the bird would come off the ledge, frightened, and then it would smash into the window. It wasn't long before there's blood on the window. But eventually the bird tired down, and uh, they caught it, and they released it out into the open air. See, the bird was created to fly. Is that right? Fly where? Not in a foyer, not inside a church, but in the open air. But as long as it stayed inside the church, it would never reach its potential. It would never fly. It operates best outside of the church. And like the pigeon, you and I can be stuck inside the four walls of a church. It's only when we get outside and focus on a lost and a broken world that we will begin to fly and reach our potential for Jesus. We are created for outside the four walls because that's who would agree that's where the needs are, that's where the broken people are, that's where the lost are, that's where the hurting are. Some of them are in here, of course, as well, hurting as well. But by and large, those who need the gospel most are not inside the four walls of this church. They are outside. And so, friends, when we get outside of the four walls, we are going to begin to fly. And actually, it's only then that you're going to find real purpose and fulfillment because we're then doing what we were created to do. So often, a church becomes a four walls in which, inside which we get locked. It's like a cage, and we struggle to get out of it. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 says, Who has saved us uh, and called us with a holy calling. Tell the person next to you, you have a holy calling. Nice and loud, go and tell them strongly. 
Because many of you don't believe that. You know, you say, oh, Pastor Don, Pastor Tut, man, they have a strong calling. You all have a strong calling. You are, we are all full-time, powerful, anointed ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you agree? Any amens on that? Isn't that the truth? We all are. And that God has called us uh, to be such people. And that's the whole mission of Church Unlimited. Whether you're in the home, at school, in the workplace, in the community. R.C. Sproul said the cradle of the church was a marketplace. From the preaching and public ministry of Jesus to the daily acts of the apostle, the central scene of Christianity was in the marketplace. The marketplace is actually where you and I belong. It's where God wants us to be. And uh, leaders are now saying, this is what they're saying, <clears throat> that most ministry will soon be happening, not inside the four walls of the church, but on the job, in the workplace. That's the trend that's happening across the globe. And it makes perfect sense because that's where the needs are. That's where the lost are. Most of them are not going to turn up in a church. We hope some do, but most of them will not. We have to go out there, find them, and reach them and tell them about Jesus. There's an explosive trend, they're saying, around the world towards marketplace ministry. And Christians are now realizing that the marketplace, in the marketplace, is God can use their careers to impact a broken world and also to bring people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so, at the end of the, you know, over the years, before I say this, think about this. Your boss, your employer, is actually Jesus. He's the one that's called you to do what you're doing. So, get your eyes off your natural boss, and get your eyes onto the true boss who has employed you in the marketplace, like he's employed me here, but he's employed you in the marketplace as a full-time minister of the gospel. Do you know, until you have that revelation, most people are going to live frustrated lives because they're not functioning in what God actually purposed uh, for them to do. And so we really need this revelation. It's my prayer today that more than my words, you'll hear the voice of God speaking to you and, and reminding you of the calling that he has placed upon your life. You know, over the years, we've ordained people into the ministry. I'm sure you've done it here. You know, someone's going to make them a pastor or whatever. You call them to the front, lay hands on them, pray for a special anointing to come on them. Well, friends, the truth is we can do that for every single one of you because you're actually all called to full-time ministry. In fact, we are going to do it today. The end of the service, for those who want it, we're going to, I'll go give you more details on it soon. We're going to anoint you for your full-time ministry in the marketplace. And when we do, something is going to happen in your life that's going to lift you to another place of understanding and revelation of what God has planned for you. You know, if, if, you, if your work is just a job, it's just for the paycheck, it's just for the money, Guess what? And you're waiting the whole week for the weekend to come. It's got, what, what a, I can't imagine anything worse in life. How boring would that be? How depressing. You just got to work through eight hours a day or maybe more. Just work and just can't wait for the weekend. That's not what God intended. He intended you to find tremendous fulfillment in the role and the responsibility that he has given you. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, your faith grows exceedingly. Do you know when it's going to grow exceedingly? As you pursue your full-time ministry in the marketplace, because that's what the faith is actually for. And as you do that, do you know some things are going to happen? One, you're going to begin to excel beyond your natural ability. How many would like that? Way beyond your natural ability. When you step into this anointing, when you know what God has called you to do, you're going to find success beyond your natural ability. You're going to find that uh, God's going to begin to give you opportunities uh, to bring kingdom influence wherever He has placed you. We shouldn't ask people, what's your job? So turn to the person next to you and say, what's your ministry? Just ask them. Now, you should be saying, I'm a nurse, I'm a builder, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a, I'm a laborer, whatever it is. I'm a factory worker, I'm a sales assistant. That's your ministry. That's your calling. That's what God... Now, you also do something in the church, but the most of your time is outside the church. Is that right? 
You're only in here about a couple of hours a week. You're out there 40 hours in the marketplace. That's where God has called you. So let me give you four levels of involvement in the marketplace. See where you fit in. This is not to make you feel bad, but this is to give you understanding and revelation. The first level is those who struggle in their role in the workplace. They often feel defeated. They don't enjoy work. It's only to earn a living. That's level one. That's the bottom rung of the ladder. I trust no one here is at that rung. Level number two is those who apply biblical principles in the marketplace, probably 90% of Christians, their goal is not to change the marketplace. Their goal is to make sure the marketplace doesn't change them and they don't become more worldly. Level number three is this, is those who see their work as being from God, access his power, and access his help to do a great job. They expect and pray for supernatural help to succeed. Now, I was at that level when I was an accountant. I'd pray and ask God to help me, and he gave me tremendous help. I'd sort out things for the company, and they'd say, how did you do that? You know, and it was just the anointing of God upon me to really excel in the marketplace. That was level three, but there's a level four, which I'm wanting Church Unlimited to move into across all our campuses, and that is those who realize it's a calling. Your job is a calling. It's a full-time ministry for God, and that they understand they are anointed full-time ministers to bring transformation to the marketplace by the power of the Holy Spirit. You might think, man, that's so hard to do. No, you can do that. There is an anointing for that for you to do it. I know of a man who goes to work every morning at 6.30 a.m. just to pray for his workplace He prays for innovation. He prays for creativity. He prays for honor in his workplace. He prays for healing. He binds contention and jealousy. And he says he has seen change take place as he has taken on his responsibility in the marketplace. You can do that for where? How many of you believe you can influence the place you work? Give me a wave. Give me a wave. You can do it. Sometimes we just have to be reminded that we have an anointing from God to do it. Once you start stepping into it, you'll really enjoy it. You see, God gives us faith according to our calling. But you have to recognize your calling. If you don't recognize your calling, then faith is not going to come for it. So I have faith to run Church Unlimited. I have faith for New Zealand and beyond, and UK and beyond, and Pakistan and beyond. I have faith for more campuses. I have faith for everything that God is doing because God gives us faith according to the measure of our gift, according to what He has called us to do. He's called you to be a full-time minister in the marketplace, and He gives you faith according to that calling, but you first have to recognize you have that calling. When you recognize you have that calling, it's like you get under the spout where the glory comes out. When you get under that anointing, you see, if you never recognize you're a full-time minister, you'll never walk in the anointing God has purposed for your life, and you're going to miss out in a big way. You don't want to do that, and so that's why we want to share on this theme with you today and trust that you'll be able to step into what God has for you. You can bring transformation to your marketplace. You know, you can lay hands on your company, as it were. We lay hands on people, don't we, to be healed. We're laying hands on your company for prosperity. Anyone up for that? How about laying hands on your, your company that there'd be no conflict in there? How about praying, praying for your, your, your company that, that, is, that, that it will prosper and there'll be tremendous unity in, in your company? Why don't you pray for an open heaven over your workplace? You know, we pray for an open heaven in church, and that's great. We want an open heaven in church. How many of you would agree we'd, we far more need an open heaven over our workplaces? Would that be right? Isn't that where the lost people are? That's where they're already there. If we get an open heaven over our workplace, wow, we're going to start seeing mighty transformation take place in, uh, in our community and reaching Whangarei for Jesus. And I mean, God's really given us that role and that responsibility, I believe, to bring heaven to earth in the workplace. So I heard of this lady, she's working at a company, and she discovered that sales were going right down. The company was in danger of closing. So being a very smart Christian, she quickly applied for new jobs to make sure she got out and died. No, she didn't. That's what some of you might have done. It's probably what I would have done. She didn't do that. What did she do? She started a prayer meeting, small prayer meeting in that company. They started to pray. As they started to pray, do you think heaven heard? You better believe heaven heard. Business started coming in. 
finances started to flow, and the company was rescued from closing down because there was an anointed full-time minister of the gospel bringing heaven to earth in that company. Who reckons that's pretty exciting? Then they would start asking her, would you pray for this and pray for that? One of the managers had a, uh, the, one of the, their daughter lost a sense of smell. They said, would you pray for her? They prayed, and the sense of smell was restored. That's bringing kingdom of God into the marketplace. Yeah, sure, we need it here, but the needs out there are so much greater. You can do what she has done. You see, what, what happened with her is she got the revelation that she's anointed to bring transformation to where God has planted her and God has placed her, and you also can do the same. So the pulpit, which is here, has to speak strongly to ministry in the marketplace if we're going to reach a lost world. See, cutting-edge churches which we are, I trust, by the grace of God. Cutting-edge churches see their people not just as sheep that need a shepherd, but also see them as shepherds to the lost sheep of the city. So we need to shift from just pastoring people to equipping them as marketplace ministers who bring transformation in the workplace. You see, for years, people just embraced that churches somewhere you go to on Sunday, <laughs> Well, you do, but actually you have church every day. Wherever you are, it is the church because Christ is with you. God is with you. Whether you're in a cafe or in a school or a university or in a workplace, you, can ha you have church every day. And you might say, well, I'm not having church in my workplace. Well, you know, who's the pastor? Guess what? You're the pastor. You're the pastor of your workplace, and everyone who works there are your flock. And you have a responsibility to look after them and care for them and to shepherd them. You might say, well, I don't have a pulpit to preach from. Yes, you do. Your, your life is your preaching. How you work and walk in the marketplace, the love you show, the kindness, the care. You, you preach every day. You, in fact, you're preaching 24-7. In fact, you're preaching right now by your attentiveness. <laughs> See, if you're asleep, there's bad preaching this morning. Is there any hope there's no one asleep, all right? But you, pre you preach all the time. How many of you understand that? You know, you, we preach 24-7. People want a pulpit. For goodness sake, the pulpit is, you know, preaching is far overrated. It's just way overrated. More important preaching is your life in the world. My life in the world. Yeah, pre preachers or princes in the pulpit, but they're totally dysfunctional outside of the pulpit. That's not good preaching. Your best preaching is when you're outside the pulpit. Your best preaching is when you're in the marketplace. So I'm asking you, what is your preaching like these days? The love, joy, peace, kindness, long suffering that you're showing to all the other employees in the workplace. Friends, do you know they're watching you? They're watching you every moment of every day. You say you're a Christian, so they're seeing how you react. They're seeing how you talk about other people in the workplace. They're seeing how you honor the boss. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Overwhelming response on that point there. Your boss is not the devil. Your, your boss is Jesus, all right? That's who you're working for. So, you know, shepherd your flock. Some people complain about, oh, the pastors aren't doing a very good job of shepherding the flock and the church. You get that complaint. I've had it for years. But my question is, okay, thank you for that complaint. How well are you shepherding your flock? What flock? Flock at work. You're the pastor, remember? Is anyone getting this? You're the pastor. Well, certainly your boss is certainly not the pastor, I don't think, in most cases. Your manager is probably not the pastor. pastor. It's, it's you. You're the pastor. You're the pastor. So here you go. How are you going to pastor your flock? How about taking them out for a coffee? Sit down with them. Just say, hey, how's it going? How are you enjoying your job? Is anything, you know, just get them talking. And then you know what you do? You offer to pray for them. Just say, look, or you don't, may not necessarily offer to pray for them face to face. You can say, oh, look, I'll be praying for you. Sometimes if you know them well, do you mind if I pray? Very few people are going to say no. Start pastoring your flock. Bring kingdom to earth, into the workplace. Show them that you love them and care for them. And then when the moment comes, you might be able to tell them something about Jesus. Don't start the other way around. You start telling them about Jesus, and they're going to say, who do you think you are? In fact, you were late to work yesterday. Hello? 
Hello? If you're late to work, don't tell them about Jesus. How many of you are disqualified now? Share Christ. After, see, see, whet their appetite for Jesus. So they actually begin to ask you, what is it about you? How come you love that employee that no one else likes? How come you're so kind to everybody? Then the door starts to open. So you bring kingdom to the church, to the workplace. It's your church, remember? You're the pastor. Full-time minister of the gospel. And you're going to find, as you start to do this, wow, I reckon you're going to start really enjoying it. That doesn't mean you can be slack in your job, all right? You've got to keep doing your job as well at the same time. All right, enough on that. So Colossians 3, verse 23, whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Do you know work is worship? Mm. We need to rediscover our work, our role in life, the thing we spend most of our doing, time doing as our primary expression of worship. You know, it's easy to worship in church. I mean, it's not hard, isn't it? You right? Anyone can raise their hands. You can be living an ungodly life and still raise your hands and still sing loud and look enthusiastic. Hey, I want you to do that, and that's great. But I want to suggest it's much harder to worship at work uh-huh, with your lifestyle, where you demonstrate the love of Jesus, where you demonstrate the character of Christ, where you, you, know, where you worship God through your lifestyle that people say, you know, by this shall all men know you are my disciples. When you have love, you know, and by our good works, people are drawn to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, you know, we worship with our lifestyle at work. Some of you hate your job. I'm sure not here, but you know, down in that western other campuses, oh, they hate your jobs down there. So I, what I tell them is stop working for your company, stop working for the paycheck, stop working for the boss, and start seeing it as a calling and working for Jesus, and everything will change. When Jesus started the church, guess what he did? He found some fishermen. Yep, highly skilled people, I guess. He found an IRD man, Matthew, a tent maker, Paul, a Dr. Luke, a fabric retailer, Lydia, a servant girl. Do you know what? Most of them never gave up their jobs. They never gave up their jobs. Called by God to the marketplace, Christianity grew rapidly. You see, approximately 90% of our time is spent outside the church, in the marketplace. This is where we do most of our ministry. This is where we actually fulfill our destiny. You know, we all want to fulfill our destiny. We say, I want to fulfill the call of God. Most of it's in the marketplace. And we just got to remember that. We get trapped of thinking it's all in here, but what, what's in here is just very limited. It's really important. I'm not going to minimize that, but it is quite limited. You know, if we all stepped into our calling in the marketplace, then with 98% of Christians in the workforce, we would turn New Zealand to Jesus. And that's the challenge, is mobilizing the church in the marketplace. And that's what New Zealand Beyond is called to do. And so at the end of the service, we're going to anoint with oil any one of you who wants to be anointed as a full-time minister of the gospel in the marketplace. We did it recently at uh, Church Unlimited. Oh, man, it took forever because there's just so many people turned out. So we're going to make sure it doesn't take too long here this morning. So previous, uh, let me give you a, a... a testimony from when we did this previously in another place, as this one was at West, this com- uh, testimony comes from, is that the lady was just started out in real estate, commercial real estate, was struggling to get any kind of um, traction in terms of potential customers. And so we anointed her with, her with oil. The next week she made two phone calls, and one phone call happened to be a person of a massive company. And as a result of that one phone call, she ended up with 80 potential clients And said, thank you, Church Unlimited, for anointing us with oil. You see, you come under a mantling of God that begins to do something and release God's favor and blessing in your church. Well, in your church, actually, that's right. That was the right word, wasn't it? In your church, in your marketplace. There's another lady that, this was at Green Lane Christian Center, preached there on this very message, anointed with oil. She came up to me the next time I was there. They actually invited me back. That was rare. Anyway... (laughs) I went back there, and she came, and she said, I've got to tell you, Pastor. She said, after you anointed with oil, she said, I'm, we're in a boat building. She said, we've had no 
no sales for, for so long. She said, after you anointed with oil, she said, within a short time, we had three sales valued, I think, at over $100,000. All we did was anoint with oil. The, the anointing for marketplace. See, not only is it to spread the gospel and uh, in that respect and bring heaven, heaven to earth, but it's also so that you excel in your work in the marketplace beyond your natural abilities. We'll get to that very, very shortly. You see, serving in the church is not superior to serving outside. I've just got to remember that. We sometimes tend to think, well, in here is... <laughs> in fact, I reckon you need more anointing out there than in here. Do you know why? Because that's out there is where the demons are, mostly. <laughs> out there, you're, gonna, you're facing people that are cursing God. They're swearing. They're watching stuff that they, they shouldn't be watching. You're exposed to all kind of language and filthy jokes and, you know, literally demon-possessed people. You need the anointing of God like crazy, whereas in the church, it's a, I'm, I'm glad I'm in the church because it's fairly safe. It's mostly nice people. I need a bit of anointing to get through the day. But, man, you guys, <laughs> you need a ton of anointing to even just survive in the marketplace. And that anointing is available for you. Don't go without it because you actually need it desperately in order to be what God's called you to be in the marketplace. So we're focused so much inside the four walls. And I'm a four walls person. You know that. But the great need is outside. The anointing is needed outside the four walls of the church. Do you know you can have a... <laughs> I'm pushing the boundaries a little bit, but that's all right. You can have a fantastic service and hear the presence of God, the glory of God. And everyone goes away and says, wow, what a fantastic service. And we want that, okay? We desperately want that. But guess what? The world doesn't care. They don't care what happened inside here. It means nothing to them. They say, they say good on, keep going, keep doing it. Just leave us alone. That's what the devil says. We've got to get what happens in here out there. <laughs> the glory that comes here, get it out there. The presence that comes here, get it into your workplace. That healing anointing that was here this morning, get it into your workplace. Then we're going to start to see real progress and God beginning to turn this nation around. So the word vocation, many of you will know, is from a Latin word for voice. Vocation is a voice I hear calling me. It's a calling I hear from God. It's not just a matter of, oh, I think I'll be a doctor, I'll be a pilot, I'll be a builder. No, 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 you can't, don't go down there. It's a voice you hear calling. It's a calling from God. When you start to realize that, everything changes. You think, huh, I'm on. as you go into the building site as a building, you think, I'm on holy ground. Wow, this is my ministry. This is what I was called to do before I was born. So we see in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It's talking about you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet, but you put in your name there. You put in whatever you're called to in that place. He was a prophet to the nations, but you're called to be a, a teacher or um, a sales rep or a, a lawyer, whatever it might be. You put your name in there. So just as Jeremiah was called before birth to be a prophet, so were you called to be whatever he's called you to be before you were born. And that's why you find young kids, they have some inklings in their hearts, don't they? Some of them are just crazy about, you know, cars or crazy about building or crazy about fixing things or crazy about helping others in need. I was never like that. But anyway, they have all those different things. And uh, so that's because it's a calling. If we reject the voice of vocation, guess what? We'll never live the life we were intended to live. Do you know what disappointment means? Do you know where it comes from? Apart from your appointment. Your appointment, your calling in God. Apart from that, you end up living a disappointed life. So how did God view the ministers in the Bible, marketplace ministers? Let's look at a few of them. This may surprise you. Do you know Joseph? Do you know some of the mightiest men in the Bible were actually marketplace ministers? That's, that's actually the, So Joseph is one of them. So let's read about Joseph in Genesis 39 verse 2. The Lord was with his in Potiphar's house, okay? Down in Egypt, all right, not where he wanted to be working kind of like as a slave in someone else's house. Genesis 39 verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was successful. You are called to be successful. You are anointed to be successful. That's God's will for your life. Was with Joseph in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Then he's in prison. 
He was a full-time minister of the gospel in prison. That's where God replaced him. Listen, Genesis 39, 21 to 22. The Lord showed Joseph mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And then in Daniel 1, we talk about Daniel. These four men in all matters of wisdom and understanding were ten times better than everyone else. How many of you would agree with me that if Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in your life, you've got an advantage over your co-workers? Does anyone think there's one person, two, three, five, about ten of you? Good luck to the rest of you. It gives you a massive advantage. If you begin to see it as a calling from God, you're going to step into something fresh, something new, something absolutely wonderful. That would ten times better than everyone else. Do you know, I often tell this, and you've probably heard me say it uh, regularly, is that you know I've embraced my calling in what God's called me to do, and I probably, I reckon I probably function somewhere around 10 times better than my natural giftings. 10 times better. I sometimes look at all the stuff that God is doing in and through me around the globe, and I think, well, I just know that's not me. I just know I could never do that. But see, I've pursued my calling. My faith has grown exceedingly. And so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, and this is what God's will is for you too. Daniel was a marketplace minister, and him and his mates were 10 times better than others. I want to say to you, as you pursue your ministry as a full-time anointed minister of the gospel in the marketplace, you're going to start to find that you're going to excel way beyond your natural gifts and natural abilities. How many of you reckon we're in a supernatural gospel? Aren't we in a supernatural? We should have supernatural lives. We should be... Heaps ahead of the people around us who do not have Jesus, do not have the Holy Spirit, do not have the power of God. We have all of that on our, on our behalf. And so I think it's just so exciting that some of the, the, the greatest men in the Scriptures were actually not pastors. They were actually marketplace ministers of the gospel, which I think is fantastic. 2 Corinthians 6.1, we then as workers together with Him, invite God to be your partner in the workplace. Workers together with them. The first great reformation was getting this book into the hands of believers and out of the hands of just the priests and the leaders. Got it in the hands of the believers. That's the first reformation. We're in the second reformation. Do you know what that is? Getting the power of God from the pulpit to the pew. Getting the full-time ministry from the pulpit to the pew. That is the second great reformation. It is releasing the whole body into its calling and destiny as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some people ask me when I'm out traveling, some pastors say, oh, how many, how many pastors, how many full-time ministers do you have in your church? They expect me to say 10 or 15. I say, we have thousands. They say, wow, your church must be massive. I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't answer that question. I don't make that I don't go beyond that. But they're sort of like, really? So even if Church in Limited Fongray, you have hundreds and hundreds of full-time ministers in this church right here. You should be able to make a difference to Fongray. You should be able to turn this place to Jesus with hundreds of you bringing heaven to earth in the marketplace. How many reckon you can do that? Come on, let's put it together, right? Let's, let's step into this. This is the call of God upon our lives. This is apostolic ministry, I guess. And so let's continue to work on that. See, limiting the work of God to a few paid professionals explains why the church has not made more progress after 2,000 years. Exodus 31, 2 to 6. I've called by my name, by name, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur. Interesting names I have eh, in the scriptures. Of the tribe of Judah, filled him with the spirit of wisdom. Who's this guy, Bezalel? God is filled with what? Filled with the Spirit of God, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. What, what job did he have? In all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works. Like, God, what? What's, what are you talking about? What's all this anointing on someone who's just a, well, the equivalent of a builder? To design artistic works, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, cutting jewels for setting, carving wood, to work in all manner of workmanship. I've appointed a holy heaven to put him in wisdom. Uh, in his heart, and the, of all the gifted artisans, that they shall make all that I've commanded you. It, it's extraordinary. Can you see this? Anointed. These are just guys making jewels and b building and all the rest of it. It's a pretty important building, I must admit. But God anointed them mightily, 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 mightily anointed. Mightily, folks. Mightily anointed. 
to fulfill calling and destiny, which some people would see as, gosh, there's not even an important role. God saw it as important. He saw it important that Joseph was anointed in the prison, anointed as a slave in Potiphar's house. He saw that as important ministry. So he said, my spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to be successful. You're going to have favor, and you're going to have blessing. That's what God's got for all of us, a mighty anointing of his Holy Spirit. As I begin to wrap this up, Barbara was a judge. <laughs> I love this. She realized that the courtroom was her church. Are you getting it? But she was the pastor. And every crim that came before her was a part of her flock that she had to look after and care for. So she prayed over every case. She prayed over every person who came through the doors of the courtroom. She pastored her fellow judges and courtroom workers. She looked after them and cared for them. Eventually, one of the judges got saved. Well, you bring kingdom to your workplace. Someone's going to get saved. And it was time for him to get water baptized. So she contacted Church Unlimited and said, we need someone to get water. No, no, she didn't do that. She didn't look for a church. She baptized a judge in the courtroom chambers. This is church in the marketplace. Go on, give the Lord a hand. This is what God is after. This is what God wants to do. I, I, I issue a challenge. I dare you. I double dare you. Who's going to be the first person here to baptize and water someone in your workplace? Don't drown them in the process. Huh? It's your church. They're your flock. You've got to love them. Care for them. I mean, you should do that anyway, shouldn't you? Even if they're not your flock, you should love them and care for them and minister to them. So when you go to work tomorrow, just step in as the pastor. And you cross the doors of your workplace tomorrow, guess what? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost just walked in to your church. And he wants to do something real special in that place tomorrow. This is the call. The call of the Spirit, I believe, that's going across the globe. Is awakening his people to the true ministry that they have been called to do. You know, this truth, I've been preaching it probably five, six, seven years. It's starting to get through. There are some in church and I'm beginning to really walk in this. And it's changing their lives. It's a wonderful thing to see. But I think God wants to take it to a whole new level. Jesus spent most of his time meeting needs outside the four walls of the synagogue. If you need any more proof. He was very rarely in the synagogue. He was there. But most of his time, just out there. In the marketplace. Healing the sick. Raising the dead. Meeting the needs. Loving on people. Where the needs were greatest. That's where most of his miracles took place. If you want to step into miracle power, it's going to flow better out there even than in here where the needs are the greatest. Imagine the war between the secular and spiritual crumbling. Imagine those in the marketplace ministering in the spirit, just like church ministers. Think about being a full-time minister in the workplace that causes you to seek God just as much as I do to prepare a sermon. Every day, seeking God for your church your marketplace ministry, crying out to God, God, would you come? Would you do something today? Would you move in, like we pray for here, would you move in power? God, would you fill the temple with your glory, the temple of your workplace? Imagine praying like that. Imagine praying like that. That's what God's saying. You can feel it right now. wanting you to seek his face for your workplace. You're the hope of your workplace. You're the hope. No one else is going to do it. You're the hope. And God's looking to you as much as he's looking to me. Just seek his face. That's a word direct from heaven, I'm telling you. I've never preached that before anywhere. Seek his face for your workplace. Because God's heart is breaking for the people in your workplace. God heart, God's heart is crying out. He went to the cross, shed his blood, every last drop, every last ounce of breath for those people in your workplace. But I feel the word of the Lord is 
Seek his face for your workplace. Seek his face for your workplace. You might say, oh, how can I do that? Do you want a simple start? As you're driving to work tomorrow or walking, seek his face for your workplace. Say, God, let heaven come down. Let your presence fill my workplace. How many would you love, would love the presence of God to fill your workplace? There's only one way that's going to happen, isn't it? As you seek his face for the workplace. You understand all this, don't you? Hey? This is the hope of the church, folks. This is the hope of the church. Don and Penny are not going to reach Whangarei. They can't. Two people can't do it. But hundreds, full-time ministers, we're going to get the job done. This is a vision of New Zealand and beyond. It's mobilizing the army of God. We mobilize the whole army. It's an easy job to get done. And you know, once you start doing this, and I close with this thought, if you begin to seek his face for the workplace and begin to minister as a full-time minister of the gospel, no longer are you going to look at the person in the pulpit, like myself or Don or whoever else, and think, man, I could wish, wish I could minister with that kind of dynamic anointing. You're not going to think that anymore. Because you're going to go to your workplace and you're going to minister with the same dynamic anointing yourself. Because you are called by God to do this. And his anointing is available. So I've called this your faith grows exceedingly because it needs to, to embrace what I'm talking about. It's real, but you need your faith. So I'm praying for something to shift in your heart today. You're probably not going to go from where you are completely to what I'm talking about, but I want you to make a move. Just take one step. Just as you drive to work tomorrow, as you walk to work, seek his face for the workplace. I've got to preach a message on that. Seek his face for the workplace. If God's saying that, Don Penny, to this church, and he's not said it anywhere else, if he's saying that to this church, that means there's, there's an anointing on the house for you to fulfill that call, to lead the way. See, I lead Church Unlimited, but I don't care where God breaks out. Just break out somewhere, God. And maybe you're called here to lead marketplace ministry. Maybe you're called to seek his face for the workplace more than any other of our campuses at this point in time. And let's see what God will do. You don't have to strive. You don't have to stress about this. Just say, okay, God, here I am. I'm available. I think God, all God ever wants is availability more than anything else. He'll give you all the ability that you need. Once a pigeon got outside the church, it could fly. The so musicians would come, please, and do what it was created to do. As you embrace your full-time ministry outside the four walls of the church, as you seek his face for the workplace, you will begin to fly and be all that God created you to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Can we just go to that bit about the chains, hear the chains falling? Can you get straight into that? I still think God wants to break a few more chains in this place. Hear the chains falling somewhere around that line. Just, just for a moment or two, just, just close your eyes. and You know, maybe the chain that needs to break off you is in the workplace that you've just seen it as a job for some money. And God said, I want to break that chain off you. I want you to release you now into your full-time ministry as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. bound in any way. See it with the eyes of faith. See those chains falling. Break open. Break open, God. Let them fall. Let them fall. I hear the chains. 
place today and you don't know Jesus, this God of whom we have spoken extensively this morning, can I say you're not here by chance? You're here by divine appointment. You're here because God loves you more than any words I could ever express. He loved you so much, He came from heaven to earth and died upon a cross, an old rugged cross, a cruel and excruciating crucifixion. He shed His blood for your salvation. Why? That you might have a relationship with God. You were created to have a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with God. That's what you were made for. Until you discover that and walk in it and live in it, it doesn't make much sense. Life doesn't make much sense. The Bible is a manual of how you wish to live our lives. John 10 says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil. Satan, he'll steal, kill, and destroy. He'll wreck your life. He'll take your dignity. He's a robber. He's a thief. He takes. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. He begins to add to your life. He begins to bless your life, to do you good, give you a sense of purpose and calling and future. This morning, if you don't know Jesus and you want to, I'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you're backslidden and you once knew Jesus, but today you're far from God and you know you need to come back to Him today. It'd be my greatest honor to pray for you this morning. If that is you, you want to give your life to Jesus to be saved. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Well, you know you're backslidden, far from God, you need to come back to Him today. You'll let me pray for you. If that is you, would you right now please just raise your hand? Just lift it up. Keep it up nice and high until I see it, until I acknowledge it. Then in about two minutes' time, we're going to pray for you. The greatest prayer that you'll ever pray in your life. Are you right at the front? Are you wanting to do this? Fantastic. There's your first one. There's your first one. Who else this morning? You're ready to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved died today, where would you spend eternity? Do you know whether you go up or down? This is decision time. Why don't you just make that decision? Make that decision before you leave the service. This morning, one person being courageous enough to put their hand up. And it does take a little bit of courage, but you've got that courage. Why don't you make your choice? Make your decision today. Don't leave it for another time. Don't leave. Some people say, well, another time, another place. Sometimes that time and place won't come. This is the time. This is the place. Today is the day of salvation. Can I encourage you to make this the greatest day of your life? Well, you found Jesus. He came into your heart and He'll walk with you through the rest of your life. When there's tough times, He'll be there to hold you up to encourage you, to strengthen you. When you need wisdom, He'll be there to give you wisdom. When you're struggling in other areas, He'll be there to help you and strengthen you. Who else this morning is ready to say yes to Jesus? Would you please just raise your hand. Just raise your hand right now. Okay, God bless you on my right-hand side and my right-hand side. Two more. Thank you. You can put your hands down. There's three so far. Who else? Who else? The presence of God is just all over this place. You're feeling it. Is that a hand up the back there too? Thank you. You put your hand down. That's four. Who else this morning? God is calling you. You can feel it. You feel His presence. You feel His touch. You can feel His near. That's God's love reaching out to you. Is there some others here this morning? I'm going to be patient with me, church. Give me another minute on this. I want to do everything I can to pull in the net. Because some people will never darken a church door again. And this is their moment of opportunity. We want to, would you just pray, church? If you rest of you, just pray it quietly. Pray in your heart. But just say, God, if there are others here, would you release them right now? Let me say this. Right now, you're going to hear two voices. One's going to say, don't listen to him. 
There's no Jesus, there's no God, there's no heaven, there's no hell. That's the lies from the pit of hell. That's the, that's the devil speaking to you. There's another voice calling you saying, hey, I'm not right with God, I'm not saved. I don't have Jesus in my heart. If I don't, I don't know where I'd go. That's the voice of God calling you to himself. Respond to that voice, reject the other voice. Who else? Just slip up your hand. Don't worry about what people think. Spend the rest of your life worrying about what people think. You'll never go anywhere. Worry about what God thinks. And He loves you. And He wants you for salvation. I'm going to say one more thing and then we're going to pray. The biggest thing I know that stops people doing this is fear. Fear. It's a terrible word. But God's not given you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound. I take authority of all fear in this place. And I release people to do what you have called them, God, to do. I release them to do what they want to do, and that is to give their lives to Jesus. I'm asking one more time, who else is ready? You're not going to worry about what people think. You're not going to let fear stop you. You're not going to avoid the voice of the devil. You're saying, okay, this is my time. This is my day. I give my life to Jesus now. Who else? Would you please raise your hand right now before we pray? God bless you on my right-hand side. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Who else? 15 more seconds. It's not too late. Just raise your hand. It would be my delight to pray with you. The greatest decision you'll ever make. Don't miss the day of opportunity. Because this is your day. Is there someone else? Our time is gone, but I reckon there's at least two more people. There's two more people here. You know who you are. I just encourage you. It's not too late to make your decision. What I want to do right now, those of you who raised your hands, and even if you didn't raise your hand, but you know you should have, I'm going to come down here and I want to pray with you before we close out the service and anoint people with oil. If you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, please, would you just come and stand here right at the front? This first one here, over the others that raised their hands. Don't be shy. Just, just come and let me pray with you, please, this morning. There was about four or five hands went up. There's a, another one coming out. There's another one coming here as well. There's another one over here. There's another one over there. There's another one over there. Just come and stand right at the front. Stand in one line for us, would you please?